is as we start this message today, I'm going to read to you. Now, this is the first time I've ever done this, so please forgive me if you don't like it. And if so, maybe I won't do it very often. But I wanted to start with Mother's Day being today, of reading a story to the kids and to the adults. And this won't be my whole sermon. It's a short little story. But this is a little story which my mom read to me when I was a child. And as I was remembering memories of my mom, who is still around, and mom, if you're listening, happy Mother's Day. Um, I just thought this would be great to share with you to introduce the message today of our moms. And it's called Love You Forever. So maybe some of you have seen this book, heard this book. And let me bring up that first slide here. Love You Forever. So kids, listen up. A mother held her new baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The baby grew, he grew and he grew and he grew. And I apologize, I don't have slides for every picture. But you can see the baby, kind of like me when I was a child, just getting into a mess with everything, making a mess out of everything. He grew until he was two years old and ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. And he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, This kid is driving me crazy. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she, wa- while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. The little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath. And when grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. But at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of the bed. If he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends. He wore strange clothes and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in the zoo. But at nighttime, when that teenager was asleep, the mother opened the door to his room crawled across the floor and looked up over the side of the bed. If he really was asleep, she picked up that great big boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. Well, that teenager grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man and he left the house He got a house across town of his own. But sometimes on dark nights, that mother got into the car 
and drove across town. If all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, and looked up over the side of his bed. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. One day she called up her son and said, You'd better come see me because I'm very old and sick. So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried to sing the song to him. And she sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. But she just couldn't finish because she was too old and sick and weak. The son went to his mother. And he picked her up. And he rocked her back and forth, back and forth. And he sang this song, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my mommy, your bee. When the son came home that night, he stood for a long time at the top of the stairs. Then he went into the room where his very new baby daughter was sleeping. He picked her up in his arms and very slowly rocked her back and forth, back and forth back and forth. And as he rocked her, he sang, I'll love you for always. I'll like you forever. For always. As long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. Thank you very much. Kids, you're dismissed to Children's Church. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. Such powerful words of a mother's love, her unconditional love. And as we start today, and now with the children gone, I wanted to give you the history behind that book. This book, Love You Forever, written by Robert Munch, was published in 1986, and parents across the country sang its sweet refrain. I found this background on a publisher's website. It sold millions of copies in its first few years, and by 2001, it was listed as number four of the Publishers Weekly list of best-selling children's books. And as I said, this book that my mom always read to me, and I remember that memory. It's been passed down to me, just like the end of this book is passed down to his... The, the son now singing the song to his daughter. But before Love You Forever was a nursery staple, it was a simple four-line poem. These words that the author would sing silently to himself after his wife gave birth to a stillborn baby. That brings new power to those words, new meaning, doesn't it? I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby... Your bee. He wrote these words to his wife and his stillborn baby. It was the second stillbirth that the couple had to mourn. The author said that the song was too painful to sing out loud. So for a long time, he couldn't even share it with his wife. The song was my way of crying, he told the Huffington Post, this interviewer. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, your bee. 
After the second stillbirth, doctors told the couple that they would never be able to conceive. News that devastated him. He had worked in orphan, orphanages throughout his adult life, received a master's degree in child studies, and dedicated his life to writing children's books. He's quoted as saying, You know when someone walks up to you and gives you a sucker punch? It felt like that. The couple went on to adopt three children, but he used his song as a way to grieve their two previous losses. He would sing it to himself like a silent lullaby, never writing it down and never saying it aloud. Then one day a story popped into his head. This author often performed his material in front of crowds before writing anything down. He would just work through it on the spot with people. And one day this song was in the back of his mind while he was performing at a, at a theater. He made up a story to accompany the song on the spot and just like that, Love You Forever poured out on stage. Unlike his past work, which could take years of performing to truly flesh out and perfect it, this one came out whole. And it was the first time anyone, including his wife, heard the now iconic song. And he said to the audience, and, and he said the audience was visibly emotional. And as for his wife, she felt it too. When he brought the story to his publisher to be produced as a book, they turned it down. They said it was too dark for the children's genre, but his distributor decided to publish the book instead. He said when he read it, he just felt the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Maybe that's you. Some readers have found the mother's actions in the story strange, but many others have been moved by her unconditional love unconditional love and we celebrate our mothers today and we start with this statement of unconditional love because I truly believe that a mother's love is unconditional just like our father's love up in heaven our creator's love God his love is unconditional for us that despite all of our problems all of our running away from him just like we just got done done learning through the book of Jonah we run from him but he's still there pursuing us and waiting for us to come back to him. And, he, and what's so powerful about that, he makes a way for us to come back to him, Jesus Christ. Our moms have unconditional love for us, and we're going to be talking about this today, but also a woman's love. And what we see the Word of God tells us that a woman should be striving to become. The qualities that she should be striving to have within her and pouring outside of her. Mothers are where life begins and love never ends. Mothers are important to us for many reasons, but it all starts at the beginning of life. We're only here because of our moms and because of them going through the work of maternity, pregnancy, and going all the way for the unconditional love that they have for us. And maybe my first point of unconditional love and this point of a mother's love never ends should be followed by a statement. I understand that some of you in here may not have had the best family life growing up. Maybe your mother was not very involved in your life. Maybe she didn't show you the unconditional love that you think. But fathers are actually the ones who have more of a tendency to leave or to be uninvolved. Women, wives, mothers have a way of holding everything together in the family when the man is not stepping up as they should. Again... Not always the way. But what I do want to say 
is no matter how involved your mother is or was in your life, I still believe that she loved you. She loved you enough to give you life. Life begins and love never ends. Unconditional love. And she's, maybe she just struggled to show it to you. Maybe she still struggles to show it to you. Maybe you as the son or the daughter struggle to show it to her. I know I do. That's one of the reasons I had to read this book this morning. Is to remind me how I need to be showing love to my mother and to my wife as a mother. We all need encouragement and we all need help on how to show love to people. We're going to be looking to several points of scripture, but I want to look to this first. 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4. Because we see this, not the outward appearance which makes a woman beautiful, but her God-given character. Her godly qualities which truly make her beautiful. The few, there's few qualities which make a woman truly beautiful. And as much as man and some women want to make it the outward appearance, the Word of God tells us it's not the outward appearance, but the inner qualities. And 1 Peter 3, 3-4 tells us this, Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and rare, wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart. The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's eyes. How that scripture ends. What is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. But then listen to this as it wraps it up. Which is of great worth in God's eyes. Your inner qualities are what's of great worth in God's eyes. And in Isaiah 66, 13, we see God's word tells us, As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. The unconditional love of God, the unconditional love of a mother, they mimic each other, they mirror each other. It's not just her outward appearance, but the inner qualities which truly make her beautiful. And what's important to recognize here is that I'm not saying it's bad. For a woman or for a mom to enjoy dressing herself up in a nice outfit, doing her hair, doing her nails, taking care of her, her body, and, and making herself look pretty on the outside. But it's dangerous for her to think that that's where her true beauty lies. You must realize that true beauty comes from recognizing the relationship that you have through Christ. Life abundant and the many great inner qualities that God has blessed you with. This also includes the qualities which you should be striving to display in your life. And we're talking about the characteristics of a godly mom, but these are also the character traits that should mark any godly woman. As we talk about unconditional love, I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what many refer to as the love chapter. And it's not really wrote specifically for only moms, but just in general about God's everlasting love and the love we should be demonstrating to others as well. But let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7 says, many of you have this memorized, love is patient. Were your moms patient with you? Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not on, insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. The truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
Love never ends. Love never ends. Moms aren't perfect. Neither are we. I'm not saying that all moms display all these characteristics all the time. There's a lot of times my mom wasn't patient for, with me, but it was for obvious reasons. I probably deserved it. But moms do naturally display a lot of these inner qualities. And even when they're not displaying them, I really think they're trying to or they're striving to display these qualities. Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's eyes. So whether you're a mom or not, whether you're just a woman in here, an older woman, a younger woman, there's things in God's word, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4, Proverbs 31, there's many verses that we can look to for what we should be striving to become. Now, I'm not trying to just lecture the moms in here today. Men, this sermon is also for you. And I hope that you, you see the value in your wife and that you can encourage her, you can help her to become better, just like you should be helping to make yourself become better. But you can also see the value in what you are. If you're married, then you need to be giving active consideration in how you can encourage your wife, appreciate your wife, support your wife, and in some ways just help your wife to develop these characteristics. Men, we spend enough time on ourselves. We spend enough money on ourselves and our hobbies. Generally, men have a lot more hobbies. As women, most of their hobbies are taking care of family needs, or most of their money spent is taking care of family needs. How are you helping your wife? There are numerous Bible passages, and we're going to start with this. We've already looked at a few, but Ephesians 5, 22 to 33 speaks of our submission and respect for a husband. In context of the passage, such submission is only possible because she was walking wisely with the Lord. The Lord's will, she's placing the Lord's will above her own will. Because it's not easy to always submit to other people. Wives, I know it's not always easy to submit to your husbands, as the word tells us. And men, it's not always easy to sacrifice your own wants and desires for the better of your wives and your families. To show her love and for the wives to show their husbands respect. But, husbands, we must do the same. Titus 2, 3-5, to Paul talks about the older women being reverent in their behavior and not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine. They are to be teaching what is good to the younger women. They, in turn, are to learn to love their husbands and children while being sensible, pure, and workers at home and subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, adds to the speaking of a woman and as she respect, has respectful behavior, even if her husband is disobedient to the word. Such women are also be more concerned about adorning themselves with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit rather than external beauty. We've got some examples from scripture of these godly women, such as Sarah in her relationship with Abraham. We have Paul who mentions Lois and Eunice in 2 Timothy 1.5 because of their sincere faith in them that they instilled into Timothy. 
There is Mary who desired to be and lived her life as the bondservant of the Lord, regardless of personal danger. She, along with several other women, are the one that stayed with Jesus while he was being crucified, even though all the other disciples except John had fled. There's Abigail, who proved herself to be wise through her husband, though her husband Nabal was wicked. There's Deborah, who proved herself not only be wise, but also brave, even when, when those around her refused to do what they should have done without her. There is Ruth, who had the faith to abandon her own people in order to go to the land of Israel with Naomi. Her mother-in-law, and follow the true God, she proved herself to be humble, a hard worker, and a godly woman. These are all women and, and examples in Scripture that we can look to. However, the most extensive passage we have is Proverbs 31. And many of you have read this, especially my wife, who's a Proverbs 31, a 31 consultant selling their bags. And she's been to many conferences where they preach on this scripture. This is the first time that I've really studied it more extensively. And I told many people, oops, I went too far or something. Well, I might need to get me fixed back on my PowerPoint. But I told many people that... Through studying Proverbs 31, I found we could have a whole series on this. I actually had to throw away a bunch of my notes this morning because I didn't want to go too long today because of the roses and the last couple weeks of Sunday school. I didn't want to bore the moms in here, but I did want to start here. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 31, I'm going to read Proverbs 31 to you. And as you're turning there, I want to note just a few things about Proverbs 31. First, according to verse 1, this passage occurs in a section spoken by the king, but it was according to the words that were taught to him by his mother. Quoting the words of King Lamel, the oracle which his mother taught him. She had quite an impact on him and his life, and she was teaching him the ways of a virtuous woman and what to look for. Second, this proverb is actually a poem. It consists of 22 stanzas, each verse written in, in an alphabetical acrostic. Each stanza begins with the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And that is why some of the similar ideas are respoken in different sections. But as we read this together, well, I'll read it to you. Go ahead and read along with me in your Bibles. Proverbs 31, I'm actually starting at verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff. And her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. 
She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strengths and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Thank you. So we don't have a lot of time to go through the whole Proverb 31. I've already given you a lot of scripture. I'm going to save the entire Proverb 31 for a future sermon. But I do want to get through just the first few points here. I want to start with this. And again, as I said before, a lot of these are just characteristics or qualities that we should be striving to become, striving to look for, and striving to be. And as husbands, as men, we also need to be encouraging our wives, helping our wives, and the mothers in our lives. So this isn't just for women. In fact, this wasn't given to a woman. This was given to the king by his mother. And now his ki the king is restating it here. It gives us goals to strive to become. And in Proverbs 31... We see that a woman is valuable. That's where we start. Verse 10, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Now, I don't know about you guys, and I did say guys. I've tried to buy some jewels for my wife, for my mom at times too, I'm sure, as I was a kid. And jewels are very expensive. Rubies, gems, um, and then you get into diamonds. They're expensive jewelry. But it is an expression of desire that all men could find such a valuable treasure as an excellent and virtuous wife. It's also a great reminder that a good wife comes from God. And she displays qualities of God. And this is hard to find, just like a jewel, a ruby, a gem, a diamond, whatever word you want to use. She is more precious than jewels and hard to find like a treasure because she is a woman who mimics, mirrors these qualities of God that we've been going over. But we also see in Proverbs 3.15, she is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Again, I'm, I'm talking to the men here. Now, women, you can also get something out of this. This is how valuable you are. You are more precious than jewels, and nothing that a man can desire can compare with her. Men, how many things do you desire? Because I know I get caught up on a lot of stuff when it comes to hunting stuff and fishing stuff and guns and sports. And there's a lot of things that I desire with my earthly heart. But here in God's word, we read, nothing you desire can compare with her because she's more precious than jewels. Well, jewels are valuable for a few reasons. Not just because it's a jewel and it's rare, um, but because of the, the beauty and the high qualifications that, that it has to make it a jewel. The other reason is that she is rare and therefore precious just as jewels is because jewels are not valuable just because of their beauty. Our women are not beautiful. Our moms, our wives are not just beautiful to us because they're outward beauty. 
It's because they're inner qualities which can be rare. So think about it this way. I can find quartz jewels a lot, and they're not valuable at all. You can see quartz as you travel the country and you're hiking. Um, I remember finding some out west, or you can find them in, in different restaurants for sale, gift shops for sale, and you can get big old quartz for a few bucks. They're not that valuable because they're not rare. But diamonds, on the other hand, are very rare and, so, and therefore very valuable. Just like the moms in our life, the women in our lives, they're valuable because of their rarity. These inner qualities they display are hard to get to. And as men, we should not only value what we have, like a ruby, but we should be looking to help her to become better, just like we help ourselves. A woman found in Proverbs 31 is also trustworthy. So, the first Proverbs 31 and 10, verse 10, was an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. But as we read on, we read, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. A Proverbs 31 woman or mom is trustworthy and no lack of gain. The word gain comes from a word which means spoils of war and signifies the profit which she brings in. He can trust her wholly for, for she is seeking what is best for the family and not just for herself. I find this funny because so many men want to control certain aspects of their life, and it's, especially when it comes to finances. Finances can really make a lot of struggles in the marriage up here. But generally, it's the woman which is more trustworthy with the finances. Now, I'm not saying in all cases, but in a lot of cases, statistically, the men are the ones which are buying the big things, which really, which really drain the bank account. The women are generally buying things which help support the family. She actually brings profit into the family instead of just outward. She increases the wealth of the family. Too many husbands fear that their wives will bring them down into debt through careless spending. But statistics show us that the women are the ones who are bringing wealth into the families, not just outside of the family. We also see that this trustworthiness that a Proverbs 31 woman and many of the women in here bring to their, rela their relationships, their marriages, their families, is what allows the men to serve. We see here that the husbands and could be in some important position in the community since he is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. It may be well to see this because it's only because that wife, that mother, that woman in his life is trustworthy that he's able to do that. I'm able to be a pastor in a church because my wife is trustworthy. Men, you're able to serve in your jobs and in the community and in other roles in the church because your wives are trustworthy. If your wives were not trustworthy, you'd be spending all your time keeping your eyes on them. But a Proverbs 31 woman should be trustworthy. A man wouldn't have no time to be involved in such things if he had to be constantly watching over her. And then number three, a Proverbs 31 woman is good. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Her love is not dependent upon her feelings or the personal gain she may derive from her husband. And this is the kind of love described in 1 Corinthians 13. As we read that earlier, love that does not envy. 
Love that is patient and kind. Love that does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This past week, I was able to spend the week away with my family. And, you know, it's a great week, as I told somebody in the, as we prayed this morning, that I was able to actually just see the many qualities of my wife. And I look forward to this week of preaching on Mother's Day, because I went away thinking that I wanted to have my sermon done before I went away for Mother's Day, so my mind wouldn't be thinking about it the whole time I was gone. But what I found was even though my sermon was done before I left, my mind was on this Mother's Day sermon the whole week. And it was a good thing because the entire trip, I was watching my wife caring for my kids. And as we were in Disney World and on vacation, no matter what the case was, she was patient. She was kind. She was not arrogant. She was not envious. She was not boasting or rude. She was not insisting on her own way, but I was able to watch these many qualities come out in my own wife, the mother to my children. I think that if we take a step back and look to our own wives, our own moms, the women that are in our life, you can see the same thing. We need to see our wives as Proverbs 31 women, women who are valuable, trustworthy, good. She can be trusted because of the unconditional love that is shown. A Proverbs 31 woman, if we were to go on to read them all, is all these things. She is valuable. She is trustworthy. She is good. She is prudent. She is diligent. She is entrepreneurial. She is strong. She is attentive. She is hardworking, compassionate, confident. She is elegant, admirable, dignified, wise, watchful, honored, Honored, <laughs> respected, godly, and acclaimed. It's hard being a woman, isn't it? I mean, look at all these qualities, right, men? It's hard to be a woman. It's hard to be a mom. But our wives, our moms do this for us each and every single day. And we're going to end with this. Because I think it helps us to think through all the things that our moms are. All the things that are the women in our life our lives and our wives are to us. They show us this unconditional love that we do not deserve. Mothers are where life begins and love never ends. God made moms to love their children. And a mother's love is unconditional. Moms are not flawless, but their love for you is. And a man's love, I'm sorry, a mom's love is a gift from God. She is trustworthy and good. She is truly a gift from God. So how can you show the woman in your life, the mom in your life, your wives, that you love her? The unconditional love that she shows for you. 1 Corinthians 13. It's not wrote just for women. It's not wrote just for men. It's wrote for all of us to look to what love is. Do you show that type of love to people around you? Do you show that type of love to your wife and your mom? I saw a lot of examples of my wife on this trip of the unconditional love that she has for us and how she continued to take care of me and the kids. 
despite everything else that was going on, she'd be the first one up at 2 a.m. to get us ready for an airplane flight. She'd be making sure all the kids got to go exactly where they needed to go or where they wanted to go. But what are we doing for them? Happy Mother's Day, and I hope that today we do, do things for you and that we love you forever as you love us. Let me pray as the worship band comes up to wrap us up. Lord God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for our moms and the unconditional love that they show us. We thank you for Proverbs 31 and the scripture you gave us to show us that the, the woman's love is not the true beauty of a woman, is not really found in her outward appearance, but in the inner qualities that she has, in the fear of the Lord. Lord, the more, that, the more qualities that she allows to be displayed of you and the qualities that you blessed her with, the more beautiful she is. We thank you for giving us your word today. And may it bless our lives. 